<laughs> Yo, it's uh, another one of those shows, you know, the kind of shows where uh, I get beratingly drunk and talk about shit I don't care about. Um, I have a, a guest host with me today, but that's the introduction. This is the El Bastardo Magnifi show, and I'm your host, the El Bastardo Magnifico, the magnificent bastard, Matt Matt. And with me today is Sam. Hey, what's going on? So, uh, Sam, uh, we have a tradition on the show oh. that everybody has a nickname. A nickname. Yeah, that's your call sign. Something you know, I'm Mad Matt, Quincy's Quintuple Double, mm-hmm. uh, Caitlin is Special K. Special K. <laughs> right. Uh, so you get to pick your nickname. I get to pick my nickname. Hmm, so much, so much to consider. Um, online, I usually go as Scan Case. Um, but here I'm thinking Robo Sam. Robo Sam. Robo Sam. Robo Sam. I'm a solid. superhero. Uh, my power <laughs> is I'm a brain in a giant robot body, and I am the Hulk. <laughs> and I got a magnificent cape, and we go fight crime. You know, if I if I was a superhero, I would have powers like uh, super strength, like All Might, sort of. Oh uh, yeah. But all I would wear is bow tie, cufflinks, <laughs> monocle. <laughs> And that's just it. Just dick flapping. So it's <laughs> jackass, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just dick flapping. <laughs> Call um, myself El Pervlajo Blanco. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, all my... Everyone either goes for flight or invisibility, and um, most people end up with flight. Now, I like the invisibility thing, but like I've always been more ref- like preferential to like mental powers, mm-hmm. like telepathy or... You know, uh, just uh, like cognition or something like that. Like, oh yeah. Like I've always been more attuned to like the the mind based powers. Um, my brother's been trying to get me to watch that show on uh, FX. Um, what Legion? Legion. Yeah, he wants me to uh, start I, watching that. I I didn't finish it. I wish I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched most of the first season. It's. You gotta watch it though. Yeah. So my thing is like usually these days like we have to sit down and like you know do two or three things. Like, at least I do. I've got two televisions in my room, <laughs> right? like a computer, a fucking video. Like like it's. I have to it do. Up. I have to do more than one thing at a time, and so for me the big problem I have is that I don't do it. I do too much to pay attention to like one thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't get a lot of show catalog. Like so like. If I'm really interested in the show, I'll shut everything down and watch it. Yeah. And uh, I don't do that enough. Because <laughs> I'm, like, playing, like, video games and shit like mm-hmm. that. I can't really pay attention to what's on TV. Right. But at the same time, I'm more along the lines of, like, you know, if the show's good, mm-hmm. then I won't have a problem doing it either. Right. You know, we're going to talk about some stuff today. Uh, I, w- I will like to predicate the episode as that uh, Sam is a uh, Robo Sam. Is, <laughs> is, <laughs> is somebody I brought into the show for a specific type of content. 
Um, I find him to be one of the more educated people on like superhero culture and stuff like that. Internet educated. Hey, but, <laughs> but like we only recently discovered that we had some of the like, and I I've actually figured out that you were more of a. I had no idea where like those comic book previews were coming from. I had no idea that was you. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, that was kind of the intent. I was just dropping them off in the break room. I always I like, peruse those things. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, they're only they're only. Um, That's how I found out about Dark Knight Metal. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, oh. no, it was from your like little drop off because like looking at the Batman who laughs, and I'm like, yes. Oh my god. <laughs> well, he's the new big villain of the DC universe, the current DC universe, and I, so I in told the you about that book. segue power, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> And here we are. Um, oh, God. Um, but, um, yeah, the Batman Who Laughs, um, he's great. Um, he's probably one of the more interesting new villains that they've introduced. He is the most interesting <laughs> new villain I think I've seen in comic books in a long time. And it's so ingenious. And the fact they haven't done it before, was just like, wait a minute. What if Bruce Wayne was just fucking crazy. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it's it's the mixture of... You always have the dichotomy of Batman and Joker, and what the Batman Who Laughs represents is the 50-50 blending of the two. So, what if you take the brains, the smarts, the, the, the intelligence and focus of, of Batman Wayne. and Bruce Wayne? Focus. He's very He's so John, focused. Very John Wick. <laughs> and, and the chaos and anarchy of the Joker and just mix them together exactly it's, the same. It's a very specific Joker, though, because like, especially when I was looking through the material for Dark Knight Metal, which is what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. here uh, for, uh, for a little bit, was that uh, the thing that drew me in was the different types of Batman yeah. that came through. And so like, uh, I actually figured out, we had a discussion on the pronunciation of the name of the the demon that was like kind of in charge of the whole thing, right? Yeah. What did you think it was? Um, so I've heard pe- other people um, talk about this as well, and there's a couple of different versions. The version that I go with, that I think it is, because of it makes the more sense na- the nature of the story and who we're talking about. I mean, this is an evil bat god, <laughs> so calling him Barbatos. Would make sense. Would make sense. It's Barbados. I know people want to call it Barbados. That's the official pronunciation. (laughs) I I I had to look it up because after we talked about it, I'm like, I have to know. See? Because I thought it was Barbados to begin with. uh, but when you said Barbados, mm-hmm. like it just made so much I know, more sense, right? Because he's an evil bad god. He's raising Batman from alternate dimensions, and he was like, "Away, my evil Batman!" And so it was cool as I got to actually experience the uh, Dark Knight Metal while still talking to you. Mm-hmm. And so as I was progressing through the storylines, like I got to to talk to you about where I was at, right? And so the thing that that drew me close into the storyline was one. I thought the Batman, because I was looking at some of the artwork that goes with him. Which is amazing. Um, Greg Capullo is one of the best Batman artists. I don't know enough about art. It actually got me interested in learning where some of this, like, material comes from. Like, Mm -hmm. who's drawing what? Who's writing what? Right. And I got a lot more into, uh, because I've been interested in, like, other comic books. And we'll cover some of that shit later. Or like Alan Moore or Garth Ennis mm-hmm. or like uh, the the those are kind of like the the, who wrote the American of New Wave of. Hmm? Do you remember who wrote Thirty Days of Night? Thirty Days of Night, uh, not immediately off the top of my head. No. He also wrote uh, Three Hundred. 
Uh, uh, no, those are t- those are two different authors. Three hundred is Frank Miller. Hmm. The drawing, Frank Miller. That's exactly who I was looking for. Yep, yep. Um, uh, he did not do Thirty Days of Night. That was not him. Not the first um, run. Uh, he didn't do anything Thirty Days of Night. I'm See, aware. I, I always thought he did. Um, Frank Miller. No, Dark I could Knight be wrong. Rises. I could be told. That's why you're on the gotcha. show. Oh well, <laughs> no, I don't. No, he has not. That's not him. That's somebody okay. else. Um, I don't think Frank Miller's done anything zombie related, honestly. Um, no, not zombie related. Just like the, the Thirty Days of Nights was vampires. It was vampires. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I only recall those which is a pretty cool one actually. Film trailer from uh, way back when they ran um, uh, the comic book series, mm-hmm. and uh, it was pretty solid. Yeah. Now Thirty Days of Night, like the movie, is like some people liked it. I remember. I like it. Yeah. Um, I don't love it, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things. Like if it's on, I'll probably keep watching it. Sure. Right, uh, just because I like the concept of the vampires and like the storyline and shit like that. Like, like, what if they attacked Alaska during like the thirty days of night? Like, <laughs> that would suck. Like, that, that would suck extra. So you were going through metal, um, DC's metal yep. for the first time. Um, as I, I've been with this story for a while, so metal's been a big lead up. Um, I'm just for now me. getting into where you uh, you were telling me like just wait, right. And so what happened was I was looking at, uh, basically I was scrolling through Facebook and I have a, like the right things, kind of like, because I like try to keep up with comic book culture because I'm a comic book kid. Sure. When we were growing up, like uh, we're around the same age, uh, we had like weird, like you didn't have a comic book store, where would you get your comics? Um, actually, uh, I entered the world of comic books through a friend on a school bus. So that was the first time I ever saw a comic book. I wasn't allowed to take them. I never was able to get one. But you were very repressed growing up. I think. Yeah. Um, so it was like seventh grade, and I'm going on a school bus, the public school, for the very first time. And there's a kid next to me, and he's got a book bag of a bunch of Carnage and Venom comic books. Oh, uh, that's how you started? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> so he's he hands me, and I open up. Um, the comic book, and it's like Carnage going through a killing spree through a prison <laughs> and stuff like that. And that, that was like the first comic books I was aware of X Men and Spider Man and those. Yeah. And I had seen the animated shows, but the physical material uh, that was the first ones <laughs> I had seen. That was the first experience. Um, and then, like, the first ones I ever owned were like a couple of like Spider Man. So, my grandmother used to take us to the grocery store when she was mm-hmm. babysitting us. Mm-hmm. And in the magazine section, they used to sell, like, 10 or 15 different comic books. And there was always a choice between, like, some of the DC stuff and some of the Marvel stuff. Now, the time period, because I had comics before that, but the time period that I really remember Mm -hmm. was when uh, Superman was dead. Right. And they came out with, like, the Man of Energy. And, like, that was the DC line at the time. It was the death of Superman and all these Supermen that were coming up after Mm -hmm. that. Reign of the Supermen! Which was interesting. Classic story. But at the time period, there was another one that was going out. And that was when Wolverine had gotten his adamantium removed. And so the first real comic book run I can remember is that arc to Genesis, who was uh, basically uh, Cable's son. Right, 
Yeah, that was a. I remember that being a big deal, and I remember like, Superman being the Dark a really Riders big deal. and shit like that. Like mm-hmm. that's the first real like when I really became interested in comic books. That was the first run I really got into. I remember seeing in the news where they were showing Cyborg <laughs> Superman and the Eradicator and S- Superboy, yep. and they were like, "Who's going to be the new Superman?" And all the comic book fans are going, "You know, he's going to be like in the issue in like six months, right?" Well, <laughs> well the real thing was is that we we as comic book fans like at the time like Superman was dead dead right. and the fact that you brought in Steel Eradicator I love right. that you know Eradicator <laughs> like, like, um, uh, like those guys were like the comic books and, and that god awful Shaquille O'Neal movie it's unwatchable I don't even know where you can find it it's like Shazam. Like most people don't yeah. know that it exists. Right. Or can't prove it exists. Let it be over there. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's good that it's forgotten by time. <laughs> um, but how did you? When it comes to the DC universe's metal, how did you uh, like the multiple universe thing? Because I can understand an outsider looking at that and being like, "What?" But for someone who's been keeping track of the story for so long, it makes sense. So what? Uh, what my thing was is that I try to keep in tune lightly. So mm-hmm. like I knew about the Court of Owls. Right. I know about the Talons. I mm-hmm. knew like like the Dick Grayson storyline. Yeah. I know about like uh, like the different Damian Wayne versions. Like I'm I like the, like I'm I'm educated enough to be mm-hmm. dangerous <laughs> but not well enough. So like I, the only problem I had with the universe opera, like I understand the concept of the universes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the way that Marvel has their universe as far as like the whole universe is always incorporated into Not it. these days. Not anymore. Yeah. But like back in the day with yeah. like the Eternals and stuff like that, like it, it, it was cohesive to a degree. I'm not going to say it was cohesive to any sort of like, <laughs> like, like you're reading War and Peace, mm-hmm. right? I'm saying it's cohesive degree that you could figure out based on different artists and who wrote the stories what universe you were actually in. Right. And in this one, it felt like they were like, especially after the new 52, because uh, I didn't, I didn't really keep up with a lot of it. A major event, um, some good, some bad. Um, a lot of people were like, no, not great. I, I but get at the, the same idea. time, I think it was good. No, it, it is good because you're also trying to overcome forty years of the same right. story, you know. <laughs> so, so like refreshing or revamping, it's not a bad idea, and not something that they haven't done in the past. Uh, if you look <sighs> at DC Universe's crisis events, um, so you have post crisis and pre crisis um, DC Universe. The New Fifty Two is just another version of that. Um, what we have seen, in, um, in my opinion, is a more cohesive DC Universe, whereas Marvel has really like taken the multiple universe thing and have just created whatever they wanted. I really feel like nowadays it's just fan service to the movies. Um you see in some of that, but what they've done is they've restructured their storytelling mechanism. So back in the day you would have Amazing Spider-Man issue 350 or 455 or whatever and you could trace that issue line all back to number 1. But now um Amazing Spider-Man gets rebooted every 6 or 7 issues. And they go back to number one again. With, and, I have a, and, and Spider-Man storytelling has always been really wonky. Really wonky, but um, but on the other side with DC, you really do have. You may have it may go back to number one, but you there's a, a, a it's kind of like a story chapter where like the outgoing team who writes and um, colors or whatever they kind of 
brush off and do the ending for their story and then can lead into the new story. So you do have a little bit more of a cohesive universe. I just don't see Marvel doing that unless it's one of their big event books. Yeah, I do see I do see your point on that. And and so like growing up I gravitated toward Marvel more, but I always sure. found that the DC books were more centrally focused. On themselves, yeah. So, like, uh, I think that the biggest difference between Marvel and DC is that Marvel is always trying to incorporate some sort of, like, real-world event idea, and to a point where it may actually affect the quality of the storytelling. I do find that DC's flaw is that they focus so much on the individual characters that they run that you almost don't care about some of the extra characters. And one of the things that I found really cool about Dark Knight Metal was that I really never understood how dangerous Plastic Man was. Right? <laughs> he's a great he's a great addition to that story. And so like the way that he's written and stuff like that, like I've never understood like to me he's always been just like a plot device. Mm-hmm. Like with Doctor Light killing his wife. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, or something like that. Like I'm educated in DC culture. Mm-hmm. Like I I read a lot of those comic books, but I always gravitated more towards like the X Men and stuff like that, just because like there was just it never, with the exception of like Wolverine, yeah. it never really focused on one particular character. Like there's no like like the, with DC you have the Trinity, mm-hmm. right? Just give it to me. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Right. And then you have your sub characters, which is three other people. Uh, uh, sometimes, yeah. And what they'll do is they'll switch out the teams. Like right now, you've got three different books. You've got uh, Justice League, your main book. you got Justice League Odyssey, which is kind of your Justice League in space. And then you've got Justice League Dark, which is your Justice League team that talks about uh, like occult stuff. So your main Justice League team, that's the team everybody knows. That's yeah. the team everything's going through. That's your lead I book for the DC universe. I assume that Justice League Dark is like fucking... Uh... What's his face from uh, Constantine? Constantine, Constantine. Um, Zatanna, uh, um, Detective Chimp. He's one of my I favorite. I like Detective uh, Chimp. Detective Chimp is the best. <laughs> um, and then uh, Swamp Thing. He helps mm-hmm. out a lot. He's going through some issues. I always follow. I, I like to pick out characters that I can I follow. I really wish in the cinematic universe they would follow that specific timeline. Right. That's a big problem I have with DC is that they have two very cool ideas. Yeah. But I think the idea they put on the back burner is actually the better idea. And 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 with the movies and stuff, that's a whole nother thing because like with the comic book writers, you gotta make it, money. It, yeah. yeah, you gotta make money. Um, and with the comic book writers, they're kind of molding this universe that they're pretty much raising up and saying, hey, guys, just do it this way. Come on. Just do it this way. <laughs> and and the studio doesn't want really want right to listen. Right now, the compelling writing is on the DC side of things, I think. It is. Because um, I'm following two storylines right now. I'm following uh, the Dark Knight Metal, which I yep. just got into. And I'm following the newer stuff with Marvel with the Genosha. Where, Genosha. Like, uh, so uh, I don't know if you've read any of this stuff. Um, this is the stuff where uh, basically Xavier and Magneto got together and decided to create a free like free land for mutants. Is that the Power of X story? Uh, probably. Okay, gotcha. Um, and He's wearing a big helmet. Yep. It's got the X on it. Yeah, yep. I know. I know of the story you're talking about. I have not read it. Um, it is on my wish list to read. So they combined a couple of characters to create a resurrection machine. So mm-hmm. they kill off like a character every episode or every comic. 
but they can just bring them right back. Yeah. But the problem is, is that like so uh, with Marvel, the way they tell stories is that uh, it's always supposed to be rooted in something realistic, right? And so you would think it would be based on the racism against the mutants, right? Mm-hmm. And there is, which is a constant con- like, like technically, I would consider that an X Men comic book. Oh sure. Right, but they've got a lot of like characters they don't normally flesh out and do with well with. So like Domino, mm-hmm. is a very cool character. I feel like the Deadpool movie gave her some credit. X Force, um, but there's the X Force is like their hit squad. Yeah, and they were they were the hit squad before. Let's not be it, right. <laughs> but like X Force is a hit squad for the uh, the House of X now, and so like uh, Wolverine actually brought up to these guys that. When you get resurrected, that's a traumatic ass experience. Mm-hmm. So you don't really, but like some of the characters have been killed like three times. Jesus. And then when they come back, like they're just slightly different. Oh. And so like uh, at one point, uh, do you know who Quentin Choir is? Quentin Choir, no. So the big problem with Marvel is they keep creating these Omega level mutants, right? Yeah. 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 Quinn Choir is one of those guys. He's basically like punk rock Professor X. Okay. And he happens to be friends with Wolverine, who now knows everything that he ever knew. The worst thing they ever did to Wolverine was they gave him his memories back. <laughs> you talking about the origin of Wolverine story? Well, or are you no, talking about no, no, no. this story giving this him memories? This story literally okay, gave gotcha. him back. Like, So you've read Origin yeah. of Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite Wolverine comic of all time has got to be Old Man Logan. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Have you read that? Um, I have skimmed through it in paperback form, but I have not gone all the way through it. I actually found it. And then I watched Logan, and I felt I was... That's <laughs> not the same thing. Yeah, I get it, I get it. But, uh, like, Old Man Logan, to me, was probably one of the best Marvel comics in a very long time. It was well regarded. And so, like, I actually got to read it cover to cover. Somebody posted it on 4chan. The whole thing? The whole thing. Every once in a while, I'll pop over to 4chan. Because, like, like, I don't know if you ever did it back in the day because mm. of, like, your access to the internet or whatever. Sure. But 4chan was the the worst possible place to be lurking, which is what we all did. It's like the dirty part of the flea market. But, like... <laughs> yes, no, it's, it's like a bazaar for fucked up shit. If you want to see some racist shit or nudity, go to 4chan. Right? Like, fucking... Uh, but... If you go and, like, because I get my papes, my, like, wallpapers and shit like that sure. from 4chan, uh, just go in there and check the comic book section every once in a while. <laughs> Somebody posted something dope. Yeah. Right? And that's how I read Old Man Logan. Sure. From cover to cover. Yeah. And I was literally just scrolling through and clicking on the pictures and shit <laughs> and reading the comic book storyline. And so Old Man Logan, uh, he's just... So all the villains beat the superheroes Mm -hmm. and they split up the United States into five territories like Hulk gets one uh, Magneto gets one Doctor Doom gets one Red Skull gets one Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh, Hulk is the the governor of the territory he lives in and what he did is he captured She-Hulk and they have a whole shitload of inbred children (laughs) and so basically Logan has to pay dues to the Hulk gang. Mm. And they basically tell him, you gotta go get this shit from Red Skull, right? Like, you gotta go kill Red Skull. Right. And so he goes, they kill his family, obviously, yeah. right? Like, while he's away. But, like, he meets Hawkeye, who helps him out with his journey, and Hawkeye's blind. And it turns out 
that Hawkeye's granddaughter is the daughter of Spider-Man, and she's evil. <laughs> oh, okay. So they're riding the Spider-Mobile. As with one a, would, with as a, is tradition. With an old... <laughs> With an old man Logan who refuses to pop his claws, and uh, a blind Hawkeye. Great team you guys got here. And they make it all the way to the Red Skull, and he actually kills Red because Red Skull has like a throne room with like Steve Rogers' shield, mm-hmm. Iron Man's helmet, and shit like that. Uh, Logan, without popping his claws, chops off Red Skull's uh, head after he gets his ass whooped. For the better side of, like, fucking two issues, right? <laughs> he chops off his head with Steve Rogers' fucking uh, shield. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hawkeye's dead at this point because... But I mean, he fucks a lot of people up. Even blind. He's still, like, a great <laughs> right, archer. Right, right, right. I'm listen to the wind. <laughs> he just listens and fucking fires up. It's great. <laughs> um, and so uh, uh, he takes Iron Man's armor and flies back home to find out his family's dead, right? Mm. By the Hulk gang. And then he finally... This, I'm talking like like ten issues of at least twenty pages, right? And he finally pops his claws, and he fucking massacres <laughs> the Hulk gang. And he gets in a fight with Bruce Banner, and Bruce Banner at this point is an old man, right? And when he turns into the Hulk, he's like this fucking monster, not like regular Hulk monster. I mean like Hulk on Hulk steroids with a Hulk workout routine started by. Like the Hulk, like muscle, lightweight, baby, lightweight, and so edging towards Akira. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God, Akira! (laughs) So he uh, uh, he uh, actually eats Logan, Mm. like eats him, rips him in half and eats him. And then a couple of minutes later, he's like, "I don't feel so good," and Logan literally rips out of his back. Like a stripper from a birthday cake. Right? <laughs> so the, 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 the cool idea behind that was that uh, uh, Logan actually takes the, the babyest Hulk, mm. puts him on his back, and starts traveling the world again. Uh, He's going to restart the Avengers with a baby Hulk. Cue the Mandalorian theme. <laughs> That's a great-ass theme, though. Yeah, right? I it was my ringtone for a while. Uh, I listened to that shit like probably 30 times on Spotify. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, that shit was dope. But, like, with Dark Knight Metal, the thing that drew me in Mm -hmm. in was that, like, you left this fucking, like, comic book peruser, I guess Mm. it's called, or something like that, Mm. on the table, and I opened it up, and I see... the previews book, yeah. I see the man who laughs. Right. And immediately, I pulled out my phone Uh and looked up all the artwork for it. I was like, that is the coolest shit, man. Um, so he's And then I saw his crew... You saw the Robins? Crow. <laughs> right? Crow. Crow. Bar. Um, and he's still using that attack. Um, he's, um, uh, because he, Batman laughs is, um, at the end of Metal, they uh, lock him up. Um, yeah, and he doesn't die. He's like one of the very few characters that doesn't die. Um, well, that, and they're afraid if they kill him, something, he may like enact something, something or something, something yeah. yeah. Um, because he lost Bar- uh, Barbados. Uh, yeah, alright. Uh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, so the Batman Laughs was uh, basically the Silver Surfer to Barbados's Galactus. That's a very good reference. Uh, right? That's a very um, good reference. And, and so... He's like his recruiter. Basically. Because yeah. in the end, it's really the Batman who laughs. He's got other plans. He did. He, Batman Laughs never really expected Barbados to win. 
Um, you find Which makes that sense. Out later. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense actually. Um, and now I always felt like he had his own agenda. He does. Like, I, he never felt like he, a lackey. He really does. Um, and the reason that you can suspect that is because Scott Snyder, one of the lead reader, writers of DC Universe, the, the Batman who laughs is creator. Um, I've uh, learned his storytelling. Now yeah. I can kind of figure out. And and so when you have one creator writing character like that, they usually have. Really cool plans to unfold. One thing I like that DC does is it mm-hmm. announces the the arc, like how long it's going to be. Right. So you have an idea of what's going to happen, and Snyder does that a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, St- Snyder's tellings are pretty formulaic, which uh, I found out that he's good one, two, and then like three, not so great, which I've learned in this. Um, but like uh, Marvel always puts in a MacGuffin. To reset, and I like that they DC love their infinity gems, man. Well, not like, just that, but like they uh-huh. create a character like uh, was it Ulysses mm-hmm. in Civil War Two, oh, like right. characters to specifically reset the universe. Oh yeah, well DC is guilty of that as well. The New Fifty Two is an example Even of that. They created that Pandora. Shit, you know that that like everybody see their past. Oh yeah, or yeah something yeah. like that, reality or something like that. That's what I like that DC doesn't do, right. is that it's a mystery, especially with the Batman comics. Yes. Is that, that it's still a detective comic. Uh, and we have a big detective story coming up for Batman right now, the three Jokers storyline. There are three Jokers. Um, so I know you've been like, what, like please, right. by all means. Uh, um, so let's back up. Let's go, go before Metal. Okay. There was the Dark Side War. So basically, Darkseid um, had a daughter, uh, right. and uh, called Grail. Is, I is think. that? It's not the baby that's in the. Uh... No, no, no. Okay, okay. Uh, we're what leading is, up to that. What is that? We're leading up to that. Okay, so that, you're gonna get. To yeah, that. That, I have no the, idea what that was. The Dark Side War um, was like Jeff Johns' big. Uh, I'm off to do other things. A story, and um, Jeff Johns being one of the, the premier DC universe writers. Um, uh, uh, he wrote Blackest Night and all the Green Lantern stuff, and then he did Dark Side War. Dark Side War uh, is basically Dark Side had a daughter. Um, he uh, uh, was his biological, or is it like where he like adopts the daughter? No, biological. Um, so there was an evil Amazonian. Um, she left the mascara. Oh, okay. And she and Dark Side boned. So. And then we get half Grail. Amazon, half dark side. New God. Oh, God yeah. <laughs> so, Does she have the uh, the vision powers? Uh, yes. What's that called? The Omega Beam or something like that? Yes. Um, so it's the Omega Beam, um, Dark Side's premium, like. Chasing laser beam attack. Chasing laser beam totally attack. Like, you know, Dark Side's actually <laughs> concerned when he starts using that. That's when you know Darkseid's like, ah, I'm taking care of this. Now. I really feel like they <laughs> skate over that with the animated universe. Like, he uses those darks, like the Omega Beams all the time. But in the comic book, it's a lot more, like, <coughs> vicious because it's like yeah. an eradicating attack. It, yes. Um, it, it's not. It zapped Batman back to the past. You, you, <laughs> that's the thing is in the Final Crisis, you actually find out that it, the Omega Beams erase you from existence. <laughs> Like, that's, that's it doesn't that's just kill you, right? <laughs> like, like, yeah. Guess what? You never even fucking existed, bud. <laughs> Kapow. Well, when this shit chases you, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're you're done. Um, so, uh, Darkseid's daughter uh, clearly uh, has daddy issues. So she yeah, goes yeah, and I finds. Don't know how you can't. Right. <laughs> so she, um, all grown up now, um, goes and finds the anti monitor. Not good. Not good at all. 
Um, so the anti the dark side war is basically the war between dark side and the anti monger and the Justice League stuck in the middle trying to fight off both of them. Makes sense. So to fight off both of them, the Justice League need cosmic level powers. Superman right. is very powerful, but he's not cosmic level powerful, which is insane to me. Uh, yes, like as, his, as his OP power as he levels. is, like they try to, I, like, I, I call it the Super Saiyan syndrome. Yeah, it is. Basically, when you hit a certain power level point <laughs> and it's supposed to like eclipse a storyline, mm -hmm. where do you go from there? Well, and that's why you have the DC universe's resets. Like yeah. so, like Earth Two Superman is not this Superman. Earth Two Superman, yes, could wipe the floor with both Which Dark Side I did like and that they Anti Modern kind of nerfed him a little bit, right? And then like gave him some personality issues, which he was right. all he was always altruistic beforehand. And I think that's a lot of problems with uh, today's Superman is that you know he is all powerful. Like he's got the just most ridiculous range of powers. He has like the altruistic personality, like. I think that's what a lot of people have problems with with the uh, the Superman, and, and that's what I like about the new twist, with where he's more emotional. Like if you fuck with his family, he's he's gonna put his foot in your ass. Oh yeah, um, and then in New Fifty Two, that version of Superman was born in Wonder Woman, but then he died, and then he died um, in oh, what did he did he blow himself up or did he throw himself into the sun? I think he threw himself into the sun. Yeah, it was no. He was blowing up, so he went into the sun and then blew up there. So, you know, bye. like you do, <laughs> like Tuesday, as is tradition. <laughs> it's, it's like your Wednesday protocol, right? Um, um, so Batman got his hands on uh, during the Dark Side War. Batman got his hands on the Mobius chair because they were trying to level themselves up and to I fight do like Dark Side. That idea too. So. What the, is the this, Mobius chair? What is so the Mobius chair is um, exactly that. It's Mobius's chair. Who is Mobius? Mobius is a new god. So you kind of have Dark Side. You have All Father. You have um, um, Apollo. Yeah, Apollo. I think it's Apollo. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a bunch of other new gods, um, and um, one of them is Mobius. And Mobius has his Mobius chair. So whenever you see do? him, it just sits in his chair and it's basically ultimate knowledge it's ultimate knowledge so you said batman in the chair of ultimate knowledge yes. <laughs> that's a god <laughs> so, he's a god now <laughs> that's exactly right and so like there's this whole scene where like they have the mobius chair and they're like so who's gonna sit in it and they're like well i don't think batman should sit <laughs> <laughs> like, plops the seat. <laughs> but before anyone can turn around, Batman's already sat in it. <laughs> well, I'm so trying to know just everything. <laughs> I'm trying to know everything all the time. Uh, yeah, the he, best correlation I can make between characters as far as, like, supreme knowledge goes with yeah. DC, everybody refers to Batman as the supreme knowledge of, like, that universe, right? As far like, as, like, just figuring... Third smartest person on the planet. For uh, Marvel, it's Reed Richards. Yeah. So, yeah. like, as far as, like, intelligence quota was, uh, if you were going to take, like, detective skills and, like, more of, like, uh, how the fuck do you know this, mm -hmm. like, correlation, like, Batman is almost eclipsing uh, Reed Richards as just far as, like, just what do you know. Right. 
Um, well, the thing, the biggest difference with like Reed Richards and Batman is Reed Richards he's a is, scientist. He's a, well, not just that; he's a reactionary character. Something happened. I will now make something to make that stop happen. Batman is a strategist. Which is why I love evil Reed Richards, <laughs> right? <laughs> and Batman's a strategist. He's he's like, oh, I know all of this stuff, and I'm going to utilize it for these ten steps ahead. So when he's in the Mobius chair, he asks two questions. Okay. Who killed Bruce Wayne's parents? The Mobius chair goes, Joe Chill. Right. What is the name of... The uh, second question. What is the name of the Joker? There are The chair goes, there are three Jokers. Okay. And that's been it. This was like before Metal came out. This was like five years ago. Right. And now we're finally getting into the story of who are the, the three, three jokers. jokers. And that's the big detective DC story coming really up. DC does a really good job about planting seeds for right? future Right? I do like that about what they do. Right? Um, so, like, one of the things that drew me into metal the most was that essentially you got a Justice League of Batmans. Yeah. And it's really hard for me to figure out which one I like the most. Because I'm going to take the Batman Who Laughs... Out of the equation. Well, he, yeah, because the thing is, is, is these as cool as these Batman are, I don't think we're going to see them too often. The Maybe Batman who laughs is going to be the one that kind of leads them. Um, but you've got the Red Death, which you've is got awesome. uh, Murder Machine, which is awesome. um, Merciless, which is um, awesome. Dawnbreaker, Devastator, um, and The Drowned. The Drowned, that's the one. I, I always forget her title. I don't forget her story, but I forget her title. So... You get these these Batman and their origin stories from these dark universes, and that's what really drew me in was because you got these really compelling, interesting characters based mm-hmm. on a conflicted Batman. And so, like with the Red Death, he just straps the Flash to the hood of his car. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I hope this works, Barry. <laughs> Barry's like, don't. Maybe he's like fucking. And, Uh-oh. like, I, I love the fact that when he runs in his speed, like, his speed force drains the mm-hmm. life and speed force out of other characters. What I really liked about that story, though, is at the beginning when Batman shows up and he has all the rogues' guns. So he's got Mirror Master's gun and Mr. Freeze's gun and he's got um, one of the Trickster's <laughs> guns and he's like, I'll take you down, Flash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to fuck your shit up. Right? Um... Um, but and it's and there is a repeating theme. You do see the like the Justice League is the only thing that can kind of prop Batman up. Right. Um, so like uh, in the Merciless, um, like Deanna Troy, uh, Wonder Woman dies in his arms, and so he um, grabs Ares' helmet and puts it on. Like, oh, so Merciless good. is great. Um, <laughs> the Doomsday Virus for the Devastator, where he basically infects everyone with the Doomsday Strain. <laughs> I didn't like that one too much. I, that one was like, alright. I liked the idea that he was so desperate to beat evil Superman. Yeah. It wasn't really evil Superman. It was just like, fucking, I'm not gonna do this shit anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm just gonna be the super... Like, I am all-powerful. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, 
literally, what do I do? Who's the only like Doomsday? Yeah. And then he creates the Doomsday strain, and it turns out it's airborne. <laughs> I like that. Idea. Everyone's a Doomsday now. It's such a unique story. Mm-hmm. Like just in general, of of like I didn't hate it. Right. I I actually that's one of the characters like I felt like was there for plot device. But yeah, yeah, he he was a filler character. Um, kind of like I do feel like the Red Death was also a filler character. I feel like the Red Death had a purpose though. With yeah. Now that I've read the whole story, mm-hmm. like I feel like he. Had a purpose, but I felt like the, with these Batman, they could have probably expanded on it more. Like, had yeah. more interesting battles and not just like filler content. Yeah, um, um, that's that's the one. Um, so the way the who's your favorite was laid out, out of those six? Um, out of those, it was the Merciless. Uh, the Merciless story really got to me. I was like, yeah, that's that's what would happen. It was probably the most realistic as mm-hmm. far as like what those storylines would concern by. Also, probably the most movie ready kind of kind of idea. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they're always trying to pitch is these kind of like uh, big uh, Hollywood blockbusters because metal metal is a big blockbuster when it comes to the DC universe. Right. And that's why you had some of that filler. It's just like reading a manga or something. It's like yeah, uh, Goku's hanging out with Bulma for like two issues. I don't know what's going on anymore. Right. Uh, the comics are the same way, and so you you get good stories and and, and not so good. Metal was pretty good all the way. Through. As up until later. <laughs> yeah, as far as like the build up for like the side characters for the evil side, I thought mm. like these were really well done, fleshed Ooh. out characters. Yeah. Like I like the Doomsday storyline or the Devastator. I liked the Red Death. Mm-hmm. Um I liked uh um uh the Merciless. Yeah. But there's some stories that I really loved out of it. Mm-hmm. And there was the other three. Yeah. Those are the characters that I really loved out of that storyline. And in this order, it goes, uh, the Drown, yeah, the Dawnbreaker, yeah, and then uh, my favorite one was the Murder Machine. Right, the Murder Machine. That one's haunting, <laughs> especially with the art style they were using in that. Um, it was really different. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like because that was the last of the six. Yeah. That popped, and so like just getting the understanding of in what order happened. Of re- in order of release, it was the second book. Was it? Yeah, the Red Death came out first, and then it the was way the Murder I read Machine. It and watched it was that I saw Murder Machine last. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, with some of the big events, um, uh, which makes more sense because I see the Murder Machine in right. some of the other flashbacks and shit. Mm-hmm. And the guy who I was watching that was recapping it yeah. was was kind of out of order. Yeah, it, it, and that's one of the things. That's why I like getting the big events issue by issue mm-hmm. because. They're releasing it as they want them to be read. And one of the big problems is don't try to do it digitally. Literally go to your comic book shop and spend $3 mm-hmm. on a fucking comic. $3. Right. Or go there and drop 30 bucks. Yeah. And get 10 comics. Mm-hmm. And get into shit that you would have never seen before. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, you have not read The Boys... Uh, no, I, I'm aware of the story, but uh, and I've seen the show, but yeah, I have not. So uh, what I what I would like to cover is some of the content in the boys. Yeah. <laughs> so you've seen the show. What do you think about the show? Um, I think it it's got a little first season jitters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like what? So um, some of the uh, the main character mostly, um, the kid they have. Yes. Um, he isn't that strong. 
um, as a, a character, in my opinion. Yeah. So and the there's French a reason. Guy. There, there's a reason they don't feel right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like you're trying to wonder how is it that these characters could interact with like right. the Homelander. Yeah. Who's essentially just Superman knockoff. Right. Right. Um, the issue is is that they all have superpowers mm-hmm. in the comic book. Yeah. And there's only two that have original superpowers. So Mother's Milk, do you have any idea why they call him that? Mm-mm. And then the uh, the female. Yeah. A female is like almost like uh, X-23 kind of... Like, sure. Like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, she is super strong. She's a, she's a genuine superhero. But she was also like sex trafficked and a bunch of other stuff with that. And so one of the things that I like about the boys is that it's the anti-hero story. Right. As said that these this is a comic book story that is written by people who don't like superheroes. Mm-hmm. And what would it be like if you were a superhero in real life? You probably would be an egotistical dick. Right? And that's the problem. And the, the big thing with the boys is that, uh, and you figure this out on the show, yeah. and the comic it takes a little longer, all superheroes are manufactured. Uh, right, right. Right, so Vought, the big company there, is like pumping out superheroes and shit. And they never really know what the storyline's going to hold. And so I'm going to ruin some of it for you, but I'm going to mm. let you like kind of catch up in the show, and then yeah, we'll, we'll probably be a recurring season. Season two's around the corner. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. But uh, that's one of the, the the issues that I have is the show does not follow the comic book. Yeah. And I'm okay with that's that. That's why I heard. I'm a child of The Walking Dead. Yeah. You know, I've seen the X-Men movies. Like, like Days mm. of Future Past pissed me off more than anything <laughs> on Earth. That was one of my favorite story arcs. Yeah. Um, you know, Age of Apocalypse fucking pissed me off, too. Mm-hmm. Like, like, just fucking follow the written material. It's already there. <laughs> It's already good. They gotta fancy it up. They gotta Hollywood. They gotta it up. fucking just make it cohesive to their storyline. <laughs> so uh, with the boys, um, uh, there's a character that's gonna come out next season called Stormfront, mm-hmm. and I have no problem that it's a woman. Mm-hmm. I have no problem that she has his powers. I have no problem that she's gonna take a feminist agenda. But the problem is that Stormfront is part of a team called Payback in uh, the comic book and Payback is like the if I was going to put them kind of like the X-Men almost uh-huh. as far as or like maybe X-Force sure right like they're they've got their own divisive kind of ideas as far as the, the problem is that uh, Stormfront was a Nazi yeah. like during World War II gotcha and that's his whole character it's basically the government swept it under the rug and now you have a Nazi leading a team right Right, and so like there's drama. They're supposed to be right. Like, right. That's such a character to waste. And so in the comic books, uh, the reason why some of these guys don't make sense is because they take uh, the serum V, and that's what gives you powers. Right. If you're given it, if you're like your mother prenatal is given the injection, then you'll develop whatever power you get. Mm-hmm. But as an adult, you get like heightened speed extra strength like but it's not it's like to a degree oh like, yeah it's not like like with, if you get it in the uh, in the womb like you could get crazy ass powers yes 
But if you get it as an adult, you'll, you, you Think can like run faster. Steve Rogers right. without the uh, written-in uh, story buff. Right, right. Yeah, like, like yeah. the I survived because I'm the main character of the story. Right. So, like, think Steve Rogers. Yeah. Right, without the overarching, like, embellishment on his powers sometimes, which I have a big problem with Marvel about. <laughs> like, like you've already established what he can do. Don't dress it up. Oh, Don't dress that thing up. <laughs> so, uh... With the boys, um, the guys that you're watching are supposed to have like a degree of super strength, a degree of super agility, sure. and they do not have that in the show. Another big problem is that uh, when uh, Garth wrote the book, mm. he based the main character off of Simon Pegg. I had read that, yeah. Which is why Simon Pegg's the dad in the movie, because he got too old to play the character. But mm. he wrote him after, so the character's supposed to be Scottish. Okay. And so that's a, another big thing that comes missing from that character. So, like, when A-Train runs over his girlfriend, that's a real thing, but he does yeah. it, like, at a fair, and her bladder is against <laughs> the wall instead of the street. Like, there's, I like, some of the liberties. The other thing, too, is that there's a character in the comic book called Jack from Jupiter, mm-hmm. and he's kind of like Martian Manhunter, to a degree. Okay. So his ability is when he says, like, a Shazam word, right, which is a secret word, he becomes unkillable, invulnerable. Mm. Right? That's his power. But he's also a massive drug addict, and he loves hookers. Well, it's the boys. that Everyone is that way. <laughs> so, um, the uh, the character they trained, changed him with was Translucent. And I like Translucent way more than I like Jack from Jupiter. Because <laughs> Jack from Jupiter is the first character in the boys that they kill uh, from the Seven. And that's because... Uh, Jack from Jupiter kills Billy Butcher's dog, and you don't. You've seen references to it in the show, mm-hmm. uh, but the dog is trained to like bite balls. Oh, <laughs> so like like the dog is a pretty prevalent character. He's just a bulldog, right? And he just eats genitals. Oh, I have seen his image in the previews. So that's why Billy flipped on the seven and just started killing him because oh, yeah. that's what broke the whole storyline to begin with. So the fact that they teamed up to kill Translucent without any powers or anything like that was pretty cool. Now uh, I've explained the the female, but I will explain now to you uh, Mother's Milk, mm-hmm. which is probably the single most fucked up origin <laughs> story. So the reason he's called Mother's Milk is because he has to drink his mother's breast milk or he'll die. Ugh. And his mother now is a, like, gelatinous feature in a basement somewhere. She's like a monster with these, like, tendricled, like, like breasts. Ugh. And she, like, force feeds in the milk. Like, so he keeps, like, a flask of the milk on him to stay alive. But he's way Ugh. stronger than the rest of the team. That's why he's called Mother's Milk. Ugh. There's a character on a show, a British show called Misfits. It's a superhero character. Oh. Uh, and, um... They're talking about, and there's like a number of people that get superpowers, and some of them are getting famous. And so this one uh, kid, he finds out his superpower is to control lactose. Oh, wow. And it's like, aww. But then you realize he can control the lactose telekinetically. So if you drink milk, he can (laughs) control it within you and kill you from the inside. That's a pretty specific power. Right? It's very specific. It just reminded me of that. And it was like a really creepy episode because it's all... Because he's like a, a character out of nowhere and the whole... Okay. And like the main uh, the main characters are acting 
doing their thing around, around him. him. And um, very outer and, limits. And then and at the end, he's like basically serial killing everyone. He's like, you like that cheese literally. you just had? <laughs> <laughs> literally, you say some Captain Crunch. <laughs> you did. <laughs> oh, that was a really good cheesecake, wasn't it? <laughs> so, um, and the boys, uh, the the whole point is that the story is super dark, and mm-hmm. you've already killed off the main antagonist, which is still well. Yeah. Uh, played by Elizabeth Shue, I want to oh, say. Oh, yeah, she did. She got her off. <sighs> um, so here's already the main difference, right? Mm. So uh, you met Homelander's son. Right. By Billy Butcher's wife. Right. In the comic book, Homelander rapes Billy Butcher's wife mm. in, like, a hotel room, and she never tells him. Yeah. And then well, that's what you get from most of the show. She has a hyperactive uh, pregnancy where she becomes like seven months pregnant in like three weeks. Ew. And then the baby literally laser hit, eyes his way out of the belly. And uh, Homelander has to kill this infant Homelander with a lamp. And uh, it's graphic. So Homelander, or uh, Billy Butcher's wife has been dead dead yeah. for a minute. Right. And Homelander has no son. And so the way they're trying to play it up, so it's already dramatically different. It's very yeah, 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 yeah. like like it's already dramatically. I kind of enjoyed that twist in the show, though. I will continue to watch it because I right? I did enjoy it as well. Yeah. You know what happens if the Homelander son grew up in a good environment? And the whole basis behind the the reason why Homelander is such a dick is because he was grown in a lab and he never really had true love. Right. right and right. so like one of the things you don't get to see in the show, so you've already been to the box. church. Like the the guy who was like the uh, the the evangelist, mm-hmm. you've seen that. That doesn't happen to like way later in the comics. Right. There is a series in the comics uh, called HeroCon, mm-hmm. where they uh, they all go to like Cuba, mm-hmm. and it's like the the storyline is that basically all the heroes go to space to fight a mission, and instead they're literally having spring break for a week at this island, and they're just like raw dog fucking and shit like right. that. That's where you find out like Homelander. Like, fucks a dude. Uh, it's supposed to be, like, Captain America just because he can. Like, <laughs> like that fucking kind of Caligula shit. shit over yeah, here. no, really. <laughs> but that's the kind of shit you expect from Enos. Like, fucking... <laughs> like, like it's always going to be fucked up. <laughs> it's going to be the most fucked up shit you're ever going to see. Always. And my man wrote Crossed. Like, right. I've never read... Like, read... Besides Berserk and uh, the, the Berserk manga, I don't think I've ever read anything more fucked up than Crossed. Um, yeah, um, I've looked through some of Cross. Yeah, it's, it's fucked up. They Berserk, have a character. Berserk, I like as a story. It's got a story. I just can't handle the quantity of monster rape that is in that manga. <laughs> okay, so I haven't gone through the manga. I've watched the original, like, 24 episode Reg, and then the three uh, have you movies. Seen, have you seen the original Berserk? anime the original 24 episodes right yep and then I've also seen the three movies they did so you haven't seen the CGI created Berserk remake yet after the fact that one no I have not seen that one okay I saw that it was the CGI animation and I pressed skip (laughs) that's a good choice you know what you never fucking press skip on it's mm. a movie every time when you come across like a TNT or like fucking right, yeah, transition motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> the usual suspects. 
So we got into oh, yeah. a conversation a little earlier about like like you brought it up. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, wait a minute. <laughs> well, twi- with the films with twist endings, like yeah. Usual Suspect has like one of those twist endings that you really don't the see first the first time, time you see it, but it, it's still there. Like a lot of twist endings, they're. They, they either bury the lead or it wasn't there to begin with. And the I'm going to make my kid it. watch Usual Suspects. <laughs> like, just as like, hey, by the way, filmmaking, the way you do a twist ending, this is it. Right? So, what are some of the fun facts you know from this movie? Um, fun facts? Just in general, like things you know about the movie. Just Oh, from... gotcha. Um, I knew that when they were doing the lineup scene... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just hand me the keys, motherfucker. <laughs> like they, they took them forever to film. They couldn't get it done because they were making themselves laugh so hard. Because Benicio <laughs> del Toro wouldn't stop ripping ass know, right? in this fucking clothes room. Well, that they, yeah. Oh, that's right. He was. <laughs> oh god, motherfucker! What do you want? What do you want from me? Can we talk about the best rogues lineup of dudes? Just in... <laughs> well, it's an iconic shot. Just... <laughs> Give me the fucking keys, you motherfucker. <laughs> Give and me Baldwin. the fucking keys, you motherfucker. <laughs> what has Stephen Baldwin been up to recently? Like, nothing. Besides heroin? I don't know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the whole movie, from start to finish, like, that is the way <laughs> you write a movie around a twist. Right? Kaiser Soze, he's some sort of monster. This is the story that they tell people about the the criminals tell their kids. Rat on your old man and Kaiser Soze (laughs) will get you in your sleep. Like and and what's so fucking cool about the movie is that like there's different like so um some of my favorite movies are like horror movies and things in that that genre. Right? And my uh my favorite shit about a lot of the uh, the movies that I watch is that there is supposed to be some interpretation to the plot line. Like, yeah. like it gives the fan an ability to talk about, is that what happened? Right. Or is that not? Like, so the thing gets it all the time with, like, whether or not uh, uh, Kurt Russell's character feeds uh, David Keith, uh, or Keith David, um, mm-hmm. a bottle full of gasoline. Are you talking about at the end of the film yep. when it's just the two of them left? And he knows at the end because because of the eye trick right? that uh, uh, that that they did with the directing and the camera. No, though, <laughs> but it's up there for interpretation. Right, right. And so, what's cool about this movie was that uh, uh, besides Kevin Spacey, none of the actors knew they weren't Kaiser Soze. Oh, and so especially Gabriel Byrne. You want to know when he found out that he wasn't Kaiser Soze? When? When he watched the movie. Oh, really? (laughs) That's awesome. He flipped his shit. (laughs) He was so fucking mad. Because apparently they filmed an edit. He thought he was Kaiser Soze. He thought the entire time he was Kaiser Soze. The director never told him he wasn't. Yeah, Brian Singer. Um, that was like his second film ever. Great fucking. Movie. I know, right? Like when the actor was acting in a way to make you believe he was the character because he thought he <laughs> was, made him overact in a certain direction. Like that is great fucking directing. And then Kevin Spacey just sweeps in and takes it all from under you. I can understand why you would get mad about that. <laughs> Verbal kids, right? 
just like the the walk at the end, and so the the big theory is: mm. Did Verbal Kent ever actually interact with the crew, or was that just his story? There's enough evidence to support that. I, I do think that is a very likely possibility. He was just playing Kaiser Seize the whole time. The only thing is, is you still have like the lineup, and you had was Gabriel Byrne there during the lineup? Yep. Yeah, he was still there during the lineup, so. I think it's hard to say. You don't know. Because he's an unreliable narrator. Yes. Whenever you have an unreliable narrator, things can get topsy-turvy. But those are the things that about like movies that I really fucking enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's like the things that are uniquely like uniquely different. Yeah. So like I've been watching a lot of like Ari Aster shit. Mm. That's another fucking segue for your ass. <laughs> 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 um you have seen both Hereditary and Midsummer, right? Yeah, yeah. What movie did you like the most? Um, uh, I did enjoy um, the scariness of Hereditary uh-huh. and the plottiness of Midsummer. So it's not like you have to love the movies, right? But did you like them? Yes, I did. I did. Um, I think as horror films, they are showing us something that's uh, a little bit more unique than what we've been getting recently. I um, absolutely endorse that. So idea. we're we're using psychological like scenarios. We're using uh, people in strange mind places, and then just kind of like dishing up some weird place for them to be at. You um, never really get your footing in these movies. Like you never really get a place to plant your feet. With so Midsummer, I was planting. With Midsummer, I was planted. I was like, okay, this is an archaeology study. We're just watching this happen, and 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 that and it was the scene where they were jumping off that that hit for me. I was like, okay, I, I know what I'm watching now. Um, um, with Hereditary, okay. there is a, a a ramp that you kind it's of go an along with, ramp. and 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 it's it's a very good ramp. It's a very good ramp, and that's I, why I like Hereditary. More. So. Uh, I watched Hereditary by myself, loved it. The first mm-hmm. time I watched it, I was like, this is modern horror. <laughs> like, this is the way they should be making movies right now sure. for the horror genre. Yeah. I'd never seen anything quite like it. I didn't understand the plot. Have to you a seen The Witch? Point. Yes, I love The Witch. Oh, yes. Another A24 film. So, so I take um, both um, The Witch and uh, Hereditary about the same. Whereas the H twenty four is pumping out some good shit. They're all from the same studio. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then there you go. Um, yeah, so they're making good decisions. Um, but I do like the witch as much as I like her editing. I actually I, I applaud their their directness towards trying to keep things true. Mm. So like with the witch, you had to watch. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. you had to like understand ye old English as yeah. And there was a lot of like, it's not your traditional horror film. And that's what I really like about cinema right now. Mm-hmm. Is that everybody's churning out like these remakes or these franchise films. And I feel like horror is the last genre standing. Like, it's the, <laughs> the last place you're going to get. Have you seen a movie called The Void? The Void. Um, uh, give me some clues here. So, uh, essentially, it's very Lovecraftian. Yeah. Um, you may not have seen this. Like, mm. I'm a super horror movie buff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I go out of my way to try, even if I know it's shitty, I try mm-hmm. to watch it. Like, I'm, sure. I'm halfway through, uh, what is it, uh, uh, It Comes at Night. It Comes at Night. I've heard about that one. I already know the plot line, but I still watch it. All right, whatever. Um, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, The Void is essentially this cop picks, have you ever seen um, Letter Kenny? 
A letter, Kenny? Mm. You'd know it. Oh, okay. Anyway, it's a Canadian-based film. Like mm-hmm. It's a Canadian crew. They have one of the cast members from Letterkenny in it. And essentially what happens is Scott picks up this kid on the side of the road. He's all fucked up, right? And you're following these two guys who are like shooting all these people in this house with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. So he takes them to the hospital. And there it just fucking devolves into fucking madness. One of the best movies I think I've seen in a long time. Wow. It's a solid ass movie. So I uh, I told Sam that I was gonna have to rip his dick. So most most of you guys don't know mm. that I'm a diabetic, so mm. I have to drink like diet soda and stuff like that. Like sure. food wise, I'm okay, uh, but like liquids drive me up the wall. So uh, everybody uh, loves Baja Blast <laughs> when they go to Taco Bell. It's well, true. Taco Bell just put out a zero variant, and I've had it a couple times from the Taco Bell. Tastes fucking good. So this is the uh, uh, Mountain Dew Baja Blast Zero out of a can, and so, it does not taste the same. <laughs> so here's, here's the thing. There's a couple of things going on before we go further. Is You've got Mountain Dew everyone's familiar with, and then it's the Zero Sugar variant, which I have heard new. is good. Yeah, no, and actually, Mountain Dew Zero is the bomb. Okay. It's more limey than Mountain Dew, but mm-hmm. that's covering up the fact that it doesn't have the same sugars. Right. And then we add another variant. Now we have Baja Blast. So I now have two variants. So I now have two variants on top of each other. I'm not a fan of double variant sodas. Can understand that. Like it's not it's not unheard of that that's a bad idea. Now I'll say this, like Mountain Dew Zero is pretty good. Right. It has the lime taste behind it to kind of cover up some of the sugar stuff. Sure, because it's regular Mountain Dew. I have right. one variant. And you when you when you eat Taco Bell, Baja Blast is typically that is my drink of choice. Like right. if I drink Baja Blast without Taco Bell there, it feels weird. So like the other variant that I have in there for you is mm. that uh, uh, Taco Bell serves a zero class of Baja Blast, which is what you're about to invite. Right. And uh, it's it's really not bad. Like, it's very good. <laughs> like, I sometimes I just go to, get to Taco Bell just for the Baja Blast Zero. And uh, so I was at Food Lion, mm-hmm. and I saw a 12-pack <laughs> of... How could one resist? Ba- I had to, I, like, no, Baja Blast and Taco Bell really good. So I pour it over ice and I taste it, and uh, I'd like you to taste this. Uh, do before you see, I, uh, Taco Bell had to make sure they got their face you on the You gotta get the advertising on. Right? Alright, here we go. Uh huh. Here's a nice little pop. Oh, not much fizz. I don't know about that. And. <sighs> Meh! <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's that's kind of what like regular Meh. zero soda is like. Sure, right? But uh, give me some points on the flavor. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely lime. I like that you're actually like slugging it a little just to be like, right? what does this taste well, like? Gotta, like the aftertaste, in, like, right? Yeah. You know? Let's just get a little mix in there, sniff it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, meh. <laughs> I like, feel like out of the can, it tastes like what I think Windex would taste like. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. Um, it's the same color, that's for sure. 
Um, it's, it's so not re- as Baja Blast on its own is very a very fizzy drink. Maybe it's because it's a can versus a fountain. I do think that's a thing. That it, that could be possible because the carbonation there. is introduced when you mix the syrup with the flavor. Right, right. Um, perhaps I need to try a Mountain Dew Zero Sugar on its own to compare with. Uh, but uh, as a soda goes, a solid uh, nobody actually cares, and it'll be gone in a month. It's not. It's already gone. Like it was that fast. Really? Yeah, no, it's already gone. It's that fast. I, so prediction predicted. So I have two experiments going on. One is to try to give away, because mm. I have like almost a full twelve pack. <laughs> it's, it's that bad. Of the most like average soda ever. So like, I tried one. And then I took one to work at Better Buy, and I left it in our refrigerator, which somebody always drinks your drink out of the refrigerator if it's not open. I've had one of those in there for three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody has touched it. It's just the problem is, is when you drink it, I don't get the blast. There's no blast whatsoever. There's no blast. There's no blast here. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Um but is that not most the like the most disappointing soda? <laughs> like, yeah, I had one can, and I was just like, mm. it's, it's, it's like the gray of soda. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that shit all day. Just, I'll take that shit all day. It's just there. It classifies as a soda, I, not by my. I had else. to have you drink one. Like, just it's the fucking it's like, worst. I, I don't know. So, uh, we were talking about, like, hereditary and shit like that. Uh, so, right. And, like, horror being, like, the, the last free uh, bastion for, like, like interpretive art. And so, like, the guy who does the direction mm. for both movies, Hereditary yeah. and um, um, Midsummer. Midsummer, is uh, Ari Aster. That's his and, name. Yes. And mm. so, what he does is he actually tells you what the intentions he had during the film were. Okay. Which I feel like is something that a lot of artists don't do. But I like that he does, because once you get his point of view... So, mm-hmm. like, Midsummer is a pretty polarizing film. Either enjoyed it, or you didn't. Wow. And so, uh, like, and enjoyed it to certain degrees. Like, I absolutely loved it. I love the cinematography in it. I love that I got a... Oh, it was a beautifully shot film. I got to watch a horror movie mostly in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, how different is that? Mm-hmm. And it's just so creepy and just fucking overwhelming, and it always. Did you have a speaker system, or you use headphones? No, I actually watched it legit. Like my TV doesn't have sound in this room that it Mm -hmm. echoes, Mm -hmm. Uh, because my TV speakers are spread apart enough that it like. I have the ridiculous. It's a sixty-five inch TV, and it's Mm -hmm. in a room that has no business. (laughs) But headphones can be. And I I have it stretched all the way out from the wall so that it's even closer to me. (laughs) Like the other day, I was watching a movie. I had to turn my head. (laughs) Oh no! Like like. I made sure to get the most ridiculously sized television I could afford to put on this wall. So, like, I had a, a, a nerd herd protection mm-hmm. on my 55-inch, so they sent me the parts to fix it. But the problem was is that I was trying to tell them, like, you can't get a technician over here fast enough to eclipse the 30 days. And I knew this because I could look up FMS, right? So, like, I could see their schedules. Like, they're not... <laughs> I see you. Why, why don't you just junk it out now? I had to wait 45 fucking days to not get the junk out. I just bought the TV 
and then returned it and bought it back with the junk out and an extra hundred bucks. Why are you there? But I improved the size of my television by ten inches. Problem is, is that they told me that the parts they sent me were like throwawayable. They're like they're trying to recover them, but like they don't have to. Mm. And I got the uh, the the person on the phone to tell me so. Like they don't need those back. They're just trying to like. <laughs> they don't, yeah, they don't so now I have a fifty-five inch TV sitting in the corner in a sixty-five inch box, and the parts I probably need to fix it. <laughs> so then I'll have three TVs. So like. Uh, like when I start looking for like roommate situations to move mm-hmm. out because I pay child support I ain't mm-hmm. ever gonna live by myself mm-hmm. right like even chicks be like I can bring three big ass TVs <laughs> if I can fix this TV I'm honestly thinking about put, like like literally mounting it on the other wall <laughs> surrounded um, uh, they've got these um, did, uh, did you see the behind the scenes of the Mandalorian I didn't. Um, so what they've done? I do is... know that Mando never took off his helmet. Yes, he did. No, I mean like for like the cast photos and shit like that. Oh, oh, oh. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so First what of they all, did... I gotta say, I love hmm. the actor playing the mat. Like, love that guy. <laughs> oh yeah, he's pretty cool. God, what's his name? Um, he was uh, the Red Viper. And he's also going to be Maxwell Lord in the upcoming Wonder Woman film. Uh, yes, but he looks weird. Um, but with The Mandalorian, what they did is they um, basically took a giant LED screen, um, a supersized one, and made a film set out of it. And so what they can do is it's you're no longer projecting light onto it, but the image is coming from the back. And so when you see all those desert scenes, he's on a practical set with a screen around him projecting no idea. projecting the image from behind. So they can literally drop in any graphic image they want to put him on any planet they want. So the what whole cool series idea. was filmed in this one set. I loved that, the set direction on that too. It was really good. You gotta see the behind the scenes. It'll blow your mind on how they shot that film. It's crazy new tech that they're using. I'm uh, just in general. I love that. Like, uh, I don't like that Han Solo tanked so bad that they couldn't do oh, yeah. the Boba Fett movie. But I feel like what we got in return with the Mandalorian was way better than what we were gonna get. What we're seeing is a, a power restructuring within Disney. Um, right. And what's happening is John Favreau is um, well, he's because done, of his success with Marvel. It is success with Marvel, but he's not with the Marvel side things with it anymore. Um, what he did is he moved on to the Jungle Book and the Lion King. Um, right. And he's also allowed to do any personal projects. He's got a TV show, uh, the cooking TV show on Netflix. Um, so he's doing stuff. But what has happened is is he has gone over and he... Because uh, Favreau like, directed... He directed several episodes. He is the heavy artillery. The whole nine yards. Uh, as far as I know, he's the heavy artillery Mandalorian uh, character in the series. Which is surprising because Lion King and the Jungle Book did not perform, and were not critically um, liked. They hated him, right? Um, and if you're a director working for Disney, failure is not an option. Unless you're Favreau. Well, you get a second chance and have a Star Wars TV show that needs a, 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 a director. It drove 
right. that entire platform. Right. I guarantee without the performance it of the Mandalorian, brilliant. they wouldn't have had 90% of the actual sponsorship that they had in that movie from, or in that show from just like regular subscribers. I, I don't even think Disney expected it to um, perform that well. No, um, it's, it's literally the bastion of their company now. They're right? scrambling to well, try to put out content. There's a, a power shift going on within Disney. You have John Favreau taking over The Mandalorian. He just came off two bad films, so he's looking for basically his new job. Right. Um, and The Mandalorian is sitting there. Mandalorian was directed by him. It was directed by Takeda Waititi. Uh, who, uh, Pablo Pascal. Pablo Pascal pl- uh, plays was him. The he's actor. a fan favorite that, right that now. That was the actor I was trying to remember. Yeah, he's a big fan favorite right now. He's playing a major uh, DC villain in the next Wonder Woman uh, named Maxwell Lord. So look out for that. Um, and, but on the other side of things, uh, you had J.J. Abrams and the Skywalker saga, uh, which just was finally wrapped up. Uh, whatever you think about the movies doesn't matter. J.J. Abrams is done with Star Wars. J.J. Abrams is the, the master and commander of the fucking bright light transition. Like, just fucking hate that. Like, I have some issues with Abrams' directoral style, like yeah. just like I do with, like, Michael Bay. Yeah. Like, just fucking... An explosion does not fix what you're trying to... Like, and a, a screen glare does not fucking help you hide your mistakes at CGI. I just... Well, also, I think it's a Star Wars curse because I didn't have a problem with J.J. Abrams until he started doing Star Wars. I had a problem with him in the uh, Star Trek films. I didn't mind... I liked the first Star Trek. The second one, he made some The screen flashes... Oh, it's I that that, that that fucking screen glare technique he does. Yeah. Like I have a problem with certain movies, like when you do like color spectrum changes to change yeah. moods. Right? Like remember Hereditary, like yeah. transition back yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Um, there was always a certain tone to the movie color wise. Sure. Like think about the best movies you've ever seen and remember the color spectrums that they sat in. Mm-hmm. And JJ is completely unaware <laughs> of how to do like tonal changes like that. Well, you think he, he would be because he's a Steven Spielberg student basically. Um, Super Eight is basically him. Well, fucking Steven Spielberg. Off. Oh yeah, no, that, uh, well first of all, I love like I love that movie. <laughs> like I don't hate JJ. I just don't necessarily agree with some of his choices well the problem is is with the Skywalker saga they went in with one plan and then they left to go make their parts of the plan but then didn't talk to each other again and so all the politics of Disney went into a hellhole uh, and so J.J. Abrams is out Um, George Lucas is actually giving his blessings to the Mandalorian which is actually the series everyone cares about now um, so we're to seeing, us, that's that's the new canon, right? Right. It's the only that's thing we Star care Wars about now yeah. is the Mandalorian. Um, we got Force powers. We got Ahsoka showing up in season two. That's all we care they, about. They they uh, recruited Rosario Dawson to play. Yes. I love that. So cool. I was actually like, look at you guys doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, right. Go figure. You guys. Um, they're probably forgiving her for um, uh, dropping her role from the. Uh, the Marvel uh, shows that were on Netflix. She played uh, um, Midnight Nurse on the... Uh, yeah, with Daredevil. With Daredevil and then Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and all them. But since they disappeared, basically they're like, well, we have you on retainer. Netflix fucked up by, by not letting them 
continue that show. Uh, not Netflix. Netflix. Disney fucked up by not letting them continue those shows. Uh, yes, because Netflix was just by there. It happened to them by happenstance. They weren't when they bought the rights to make those shows. They weren't aware of what direction Marvel was going to go with Disney. Once that deal went down, Netflix was just sitting there holding the bag with like. Well, we'll we finish off these seasons. The Punisher, one, I guess. And one more season of Jessica Jones that nobody watched. Yeah. So, yeah, it was sad. But by the time period, though, like, I had been, like, superheroed out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, like, I never watched Iron Fist. I never watched Luke Iron Cage. Fist was trash. Don't bother with it. <laughs> like, heads up on that one. Jesus I Christ. never watched the majority of the Defender shit, and I didn't watch enough of the Punisher. Um, and so, like, like I don't have a problem with the shows. Yeah. I'm just, like, I'm superhero burnout. Like, I yeah. need something different. Right. And so, like, when I need something different, like, I look for different strategies and, mm-hmm. like, trying to do, like, well, maybe, my, like, video's not the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so one of my favorite pastimes, and I don't get enough of that shit, is mm. D&D. Ooh. Oh, yeah. D&D. Dungeons so, and Dragons. So you're probably, like, one of maybe five or six people I know mm. that, like, actively has D&D campaigns. On hiatus at the moment, but I've played in a few, yes. So what I want to do is I'm going to set up a show D&D. A show D&D? Yeah, basically use the other Sam, Sam I am. Mm. He's never been on the show, but he, mm. he's been mentioned a lot. <laughs> um, and uh, Quincy. Mm. And I wrote a, uh, a D&D campaign based on that. But like, So I don't really necessarily want to get into that so much as I want to do like, what are some of the most ape shit stories you have. <laughs> from those. But the best thing about D&D is that nothing ever goes to plan. Right. And like everything always gets fucked up. And I've been a DM for a long time. And no matter what, like, I actually wrote a revenge script mm-hmm. for these guys to play. And it was probably one of the best campaigns we ever had because they couldn't derail me. Right. Everything I had figured they would do, I built into the story. Yeah, sometimes you gotta play it by the seat of your pants. So, like, uh, one time I started uh, a story called uh, Greg and his quest for rent. (laughs) A noble quest. Basically, uh, I actually wrote in one of my real-life friends as his regular self into the storyline, and his only weapon was a maglite. A maglite? Yeah, he could get Go better... look for your rent. He could have better maglites. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like his uh, Final Fantasy VII sword. Right? Like, so, uh, the first thing was is that I sent them to a village mm-hmm. to go get gear. As many journeys do start. Right? Like, and I gave him a finite amount of money, and mm-hmm. it was like, like, you have to, like, be frugal and, like, make good decisions, knowing full fucking well that they were going to try to rape my bartender <laughs> and, like, fucking just, just, like, ransack the village. So Vikings. Like, the Vikings showed up. Right? <laughs> there was, village, there was seven people in this game. Oh, Jesus. Right? So the problem was is that I didn't let them choose their characters. I wrote them for them. Okay. So I had uh, uh, Helga the Unsightly, Mm. that if you tried to talk to an NPC, NPC, you were so ugly that they would only respond with like, (laughs) I'm frightened. But you were strong enough to like fight battles and shit like that, but you could not like buy Interact with people at all. You can't (laughs) buy anything. Like you can't. You're like rogue. I can never you, kiss a boy. You're exactly like <laughs> you have to depend on the generosity of your group, right? 
Which doesn't exist. Right. I created the blind... And they're at the bar. <laughs> I created the blind pyromancer. Oh. Which is a specific problem. <laughs> and he was crazy powerful. Really? But he can't see shit. So just just vaporizing his teammates. Fire. He's just vaporizing his teammates <laughs> and shit like that. I had Ron of Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And his only armor equipment was a mm-hmm. giant gold cod piece. <laughs> As is tradition. As is tradition. <laughs> I had the two-fingered archer. Mm-hmm. He only... Oh, now, is that two fingers on one hand? No, nope. one finger on each hand. Wow. I mean, that's, that's, that's rough. That's a rough one. And I had a goblin called Shank. Mm-hmm. And everybody's super racist towards goblins. Well, yeah, they're pieces of shit, man. <laughs> and so they had to do this campaign, and I'll just give you a, an idea of the villains they had to fight, right? Mm-hmm. So after uh, they went to the, the village and found out they all got orc syphilis <laughs> from trying to do the shit they did. So they all got... Guys, roof- stop doing the red thing to village. They were trying to do that, and then they all got roofied and all got orc syphilis. <laughs> and if you pissed me off enough, your junk would just fall off. So you just couldn't anymore. Yep. Right? Like I roll d d20. If it's 10 or low, it comes off. <laughs> So, uh, five of the seven players ended up with orc syphilis, and their genitals were going to fall off. And so the first villain they have to fight, they encounter this uh, graveyard, right? And it's got uh, thousands of tombstones, as far as the eye can mm-hmm. see, right? And the idea is if you disrupt like one of the burial sites, a level 111 skeleton will come out of the graveyard. But there's oh, no. thousands of plots. Oh, yeah. And so the commander of the skeleton army is uh, Lord Skeletus, Lord of Having Bones and not a lot else going for him. <laughs> he is made of bones. Like, like and just that's fucking. It. He's like a level 1, but he's still like fucking 3 3. Sally 4. So it's like, what would you? What would happen if you actually encountered a skeleton grave? So it's like no experience, but you could fight fucking forever, right? Like, fuck with me. I guarantee I'll fuck you back. It's just the Harryhausen skeletons from, like, Clash of the Titans. Literally remember Ash and the Evil Dead. It's right? just fucking... <laughs> Sally Forth. So uh, the next stop on the, the, the wavelength was uh, a goblin cave. Mm. And this was a Goblin Obama. Okay. And the lead goblin, Mitch McConnell. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't didn't change his name at all. (laughs) You guys have a very organized society. Um, uh, Goblin Obama. For goblins in a cave. (laughs) Goblin Obama had an orc protector named Luxor, his anger translator. (laughs) So he had to fight through this goblin cave. Now now we're just talking alternate dimensions where everyone's just a goblin person. But you have to beat Mitch McConnell to get through the cave. So uh, once you get through that cave, you had to like wind through a couple of roads. I give you like a couple of dope drops, stuff like that. And then you come to the the kingdom of uh, Thunder, where you have to fight like a Thor s character. His name is Brock Thundercock. <laughs> Brock. And Brock. Thundercock. <laughs> and the treasure you have to achieve is his dick. I'm Biff McManchies. <laughs> like Brock McNextom. Like, like, like you literally have to steal the guy's dick off of him. So you have to kill 
And he's a crazy barbarian. Like, just yep. one of the hardest characters I think I've ever written. <laughs> like, just, like, Brock Thundercock was out of control. And I did it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I was so fucking sick and tired of them trying to derail shit. And now they had to steal the dick, or the giant dick, off of Brock <laughs> Thundercock. Right? And so the, the the issue is that uh, his dick is like a super awesome mace. <laughs> you just hit people with. Um, and then the final villain that you have to encounter after you get out of the the Thunder Village is uh, Archmage Neil from Geek Squad. Archmage, <laughs> which was a guy we actually knew. that worked in our building who was such a fucking recluse and just an (laughs) asshole I literally made a D like a D&D endgame character after (laughs) made him an archmage yes (laughs) and you had to finish archmage Neil from Geek Squad (laughs) and then uh, at the end of the campaign uh, you had to face off against the landlord who had incredible... But he's basically like a fucking Balrog. No <laughs> <laughs> glasses, suit on behind a desk. Yes, come forward. Remember, and please you, sign your Do you remember words. King Yemma from D to like like uh, Dragon Ball Z? Like something like that. Yeah. Why and are you so large? I never gave you at any point enough money to pay the rent. <laughs> like, I was just so fucking done with these players. <laughs> And because I had written these two really awesome homebrew campaigns, mm-hmm. the first one I did was an actual like aliens campaign. Oh, so like you were on a spaceship, yeah. you wake up out of your cryo chamber, mm-hmm. and the spaceship's offline, and you yeah. have to figure out how to get it back online. Mm-hmm. The gimmick of the story is that you are careening into a star the whole time, right? Right. So you have to get the ship back online. There is one alien. Oh, so the ship. is it the alien? Um, the, do you keep that hidden on who's the alien? No, no, no. It's mm. literally there is none of you are the alien. Oh, okay, gotcha. But there are things in your environment that you can pick up and like make weapons uh-huh. or like uh, make defenses. Oh, sure. Uh, build technologies, mm-hmm. uh, recover items to get the ship back online. Like I wrote that. Yeah. And it was solid. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they fucked it up. <laughs> Like I, I, I literally dumbed it down for him. Even yeah. like at a certain point, like like I'm trying to help you. Like the alien has acid for blood, <laughs> so stop fucking punching it. Yeah. Acid will it will come out. At one point, there was only three arms left in a four person group. <laughs> it's like what the fuck, man. I couldn't make the like. I I got you. I made you fucking an ability to make fucking flamethrowers. And you didn't. Like, just fucking, what are you doing? And of course they crashed. Just stumbling around. They were nowhere close. Uh. They absolutely careened in the sun. I I was so pissed off because that that game was supposed to be fucking baller. Right. And I'm just like, what the fuck? What happened here? You guys spent like 20 minutes fucking around in the toilet. Oh, they would always try to like attack the alien. Yeah. Run away. Run away. Hide. Do anything. Right? Anything but like immediately no. punch it with your fists. I take a this chainsaw and I shove it in the alien's face. You graze the alien on your six roll and his acid blood spurts back off the chainsaw, melting both the chainsaw and your face. And you're dead. Goodbye. Like, what the fuck, man? 
Like, are you even thinking this through? Like, I don't, I can't fucking possibly begin. And that's, that's a, like, you said you you DM'd like one game, right? I've never DM'd a game. I've never DM'd a game. What I do DM is board games, you know, okay. like Arkham Horror and that kind of thing. I have played in um, multiple different D, um, other campaigns, though. So um, I usually pull out my uh, uh, my dwarf cleric. I play uh, Jebediah Frostbeard, or no, okay. Jebediah Silverbeard. And he is a dwarf cleric. He is a pirate uh, who loves gold. Um, so he's a really good spellcaster. Um, and uh, I have a rapier with me, so stabby stabby. Right. Um, so that's who I usually play as. I've rebuilt him a couple of times. Um, he's always uh, a great character because um, he's looking for jobs. Uh, that's why I try to, like, he wants more gold. <laughs> it's gold. funny enough, my regular uh, playthrough character is uh, mm-hmm. a dwarf barbarian yes. named uh, Volstag Thunderbrew. Nice. And so uh, I come from the Thunderbrew Mountains, and we make the only beer that resuscitates, like, uh, HP. Mm-hmm. So uh, his uh, big item that I got from a campaign was the, I have the flask of the Thunderbrew, mm-hmm. and it's a gigantic horn. <laughs> that I can use as a shield, but it constantly refills itself with Thunderbrew because it's like my clan's like Thunderbrew. So uh, the the deal is you that I can, with it, I can, <laughs> right? <laughs> I can drink the Thunderbrew, and it restores my HP, but it makes me drunker. <laughs> so Jolly is a, uh, a a pirate who can't swim. <laughs> Of course, one day I do want to get into a campaign where I can turn him into a were-shark. A were-shark? Yes! Yes! Yes, please! And then he will then gain the ability to swim. But when he's in in dwarf form, he can't swim. He just kind of sinks. That's amazing. (laughs) Fucking amazing. One day it'll happen. <laughs> you know what? We have to write a campaign. I'll abs. So my whole thing is like, I want to DM, but I also want to have like an ancillary character just no, to play sure. along. And so I wrote an uh, an X Men style based, mm. like X Force more so. Yeah. Uh, style D and D campaign. Yeah. They have and, the RPG books. Uh, I've seen some for other um, anime and stuff like that. I literally started this shit in a notebook. We almost did a Gundam one one time. Gundam would be fun. Yeah, because you get to design your Gundam and what well, like, things he can shoot and stuff like that. My big problem with Gundam is that like you have to build it like Paladin style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, no, they have their own rule book. It would be... Some, really? Yeah, it's not even D&D. I did... Uh, it's an, played in the D&D style where you have a DM and you have characters and they play out their scenarios. Okay, but the sense. way the game is structured and what dice you roll and how combat happens, that can be radically different. So for the X-Men game, I literally let <coughs> out these rules. Mm-hmm. On dice roll and everything like that. Sure. And you got a list of about 15 powers mm-hmm. and you got an... Uh, like, like you would get gold at the beginning of your campaign to start your character, right? I gave you power points. Mm-hmm. So you got 10 power points and 15 options from powers in which you could choose from. But each power comes with 
like a negative effect. Right. So we had a human torch kind of guy. Hmm. We had a flash. Hmm. We had speedsters. Always important to have one on the team. <laughs> right. We had a shapeshifter, which was ten points, hmm. and he didn't understand that when you transform into a bear, you still have human strength. Right. So he's trying to like bite people's heads well, off and shit, like beast so boy doesn't follow honest. those rules either. <laughs> We're just trying to make it make sense, you right? Know? And every time I would give these assholes an opportunity to not just butt fuck themselves, <laughs> they would do it. It was the worst, man. Like I just I wrote a troll DM campaign, and it actually worked because I anticipated that my players were just going to be the worst douchebags. Even when they're not the worst douchebags, which I have seen a multitude of times, like, even the best of players can fuck up sometimes. So Fucking up is one thing. <laughs> Intentionally derailing campaigns for the sake of your own fucking ego is not one of them. Well, I, okay, so here's, here's both sides of the coin at the same time. All right, so one time, one of our players in our campaign was like, they had a bag of holding. So whatever they wanted, they right. would put into the bag of holding or whatever. And so we come through this dungeon. We've cleaned out the dungeon, killed the spiders, and there's a treasure chest. But it's locked. Um, uh, someone does a magic perception check. There's a magic lock on it. And so uh, our, what our character does is he puts, he's like, okay, can I put the, ca um, the whole treasure chest into my bag of holding? And our DM suddenly looks up. It's this confused look. And then suddenly steps out, walks upstairs, stomping upstairs, and we're all like, what's going on? <laughs> and our DM turns around up. and goes, I'm trying to see if he just destroyed the universe. <laughs> and then disappears back upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> because there was another bag of holding within the treasure chest. So you're creating a paradox. He was yeah. creating a paradox. So, like, sometimes you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, uh, was playing a campaign, uh, with a realistic character that I still run. He's a level 14. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it's my, uh, dwarf barbarian, uh, uh Volstag Thunderbrew. Right. And, uh, his, uh, he actually, he actually has, like, a servant or, like, a, uh, like a helper, and it's, like, a level 10 orc who just kind of follows him around, right? Mm -hmm. His name's Swanson. As in, like, Ron Swanson. <laughs> uh, I'm not here. And what's funny is, like, uh, the character's based after... Uh, the way I wrote him was, uh, I have a friend named Matt Swanson. We're part of the Legion of Mats. So <laughs> there's so many Mats that you know. Right? Like, so um, I wrote this character to just basically be him. Mm -hmm. Right? <laughs> and he carries a, a halberd and... Uh, wreck shit like all the time like I roll really well with him I don't know why oh. so that's how he's gotten to level 10 <laughs> so <laughs> um, which I got him from a genuine campaign like fucking he's like my slave kind of it's weird yeah like I, I treat him with respect like I feed him stuff and like tell him to do whatever he wants to but like he owes me the the I blood stuff <laughs> he, he, I just find it then I give it to him like I, I found a turkey have a turkey like fucking so he owes me the blood oath, which is I saved his life, so he has to be my, like, fucking helper for the rest of time, right? Mm -hmm. 
And I try to release him from it all the time, and the DM never lets me. <laughs> like, fucking, I don't want to be a slaver. <laughs> uh, my character, Jolly, uh, he, he does have sticky fingers. <laughs> he has been known to try to rob people during their sleep. So, uh, I started... Especially when they start flaunting around jewelry. Oh, well, you gotta fucking... You gotta go. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta get robbed. Right? It's like, no, some no, nice shit you got there. That. Would be a shame if somebody made it mine. He's so, a pirate. What are you gonna do? Like, I fucking... That's a great character, too. Like, love that character. So, like, um... Uh, the new... The, so, we started a new campaign out of work, right? Mm. From Better Buy. Mm-hmm. Right? And, uh... So, there's, like, 12 of us. Mm-hmm. And which is incredibly large amount of people to try to DM for. That is a lot of plates to spin. And this guy decided to homebrew, mm-hmm. which means anybody could make any character they wanted. So we had like a fucking Earthbender from Avatar. <laughs> we had a fucking this guy called himself a Shadow Walker. The Shadow the Shadow Walker. Essentially, just like a duper robe. A duper? <laughs> What's that? It's a super duper rogue. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Was fucking just the worst character. <laughs> oh, Shadowhawk is not rigging anything for me. He fucking made this character with the explicit intent mm. of derailing. How can I negotiate with that? I as feel a, like you're a terrorist. As at that a point. DM, you have to put a fucking stop to it, <coughs> right? But he let me do my character, so I didn't care, <laughs> right? So I started with an ha- a half shade orc. Mm. Do you know how stupid that combination is? <laughs> the only reason I chose that combination is because of the bonuses it gave me when I rolled strength, okay. which I rolled a nat 20. I can't make this shit up. <laughs> Just all the way through the wall. You're, you're, you're Hulk punching Thor. <laughs> I have... Just off the planet. I have six <laughs> upgrades for strength plus two in the build. <laughs> Have you have you ever played the game of Sora's Wrath? <laughs> like, like so. The problem was I built this whole homebrew off of the Luchador buildup I lucked off of a five point five, and it told me to modify the monk. So I was trying to play it legit, mm-hmm. right? Like I was legitimately trying to play like his name is El Bastardo Magnifico, ah. which is where the whole thing of this show comes from. <laughs> and I break your back like so with my knee. I never fucking got that move. <laughs> he made me roll two d twenty, and I had to hit above ten on both. What? Like what the fuck, man? What the fuck do you want from me? Like above ten on both. Like I never fucking hit that move. But I had 24 strength to start. <laughs> like, I don't understand. So I would just punch stuff. How could stuff. I not, not be this strong? Like, I just punch stuff at this point. So El Bastardo Magnifico was so strong that I would vaporize characters <laughs> when I hit them. That was kind of the objective of Robo Sam. He came from uh, City of Heroes. <laughs> Have you? Did you ever play that game? It sounds familiar, actually. City of Heroes. So it was an MMORPG that predated World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft was like kind of being rumored of by at that time. Right. And then they switched over to City of Heroes, and that's where Robo Sam came from. I that's wanted to build a giant fantastic. tank, and he punches things as hard as he fucking can. Did you ever play a game uh, on PlayStation called Armored Core? Armored Core. Uh, 
No. I probably played another game. Armored Core was the closest thing to customizable Gundam play that I've ever gotten. Right? It was the bomb. Chrome Hounds. I played Chrome Hounds. Chrome Hounds, Hounds yes. Yeah. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Just fuck. Like, what fucking Chrome Hounds? <laughs> Chrome Hounds? Yeah, you built mechs. You could put missiles on them, and they could be weird shapes. Yeah, like Chrome Hounds had such a customizable uh, system that uh, you could actually uh, probably you can find this on YouTube somewhere. But someone designed uh. a mech that looked like it was fucking the other mech, and it was one giant mech that walked together. <laughs> so. If we're going to talk about fucked up shit, there's only one thing I want to talk to you about. Mm, Chromehounds? No. Oh, well, maybe. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. More Chromehounds? Um, so, there's been an ongoing theme in my podcast when oh. I talk about something that you should absolutely, mm. 1,000%, oh, put is, on your television, and is, that's the Tiger King. The, the Tiger King. You want to talk about the Tiger King? Now? Oh, I can't wait. I've been waiting the entire episode to talk about that fucking Carol Baskins. Can we just just from just from top down, can we agree that aside from a few of the zoo workers, like most of the are evil? Are like like this is the all worst. Of them, all of them the are worst evil people? pieces of shit. Like, I only like well, two fucking characters, and I like the dude with no legs the and the chick who got her arm mauled off. Right, that was it. Both <laughs> of those guys are badass. And um, what's his name? Who's always in the glasses? No, no, no. And that he dude was testified um, for the hammered. animal abuse. That guy has like devolved into like the worst kind of alcoholism. Like, you think? Yeah, no, I know. It's, it well, was he a, was sad for the lions. I mean. He just was a guy who just knew that was wrong. Uh, right. That's uh, why he did what he did, which I can support. Like, I support the guy, uh, but he's so guilty about his former no, life. He, just... he had three bottles of aristocrat oh, in his room they, like during um, the interview, and he's, like, trying to cuddle the cat and shit like that, and, like, he is wasted. Uh, like, just drinking it off. Um, the, uh, uh, I don't have a problem with him, but, like, uh, did you know that uh, Joe's first husband? Yeah, he got his teeth fixed. Yes, um, he got his teeth fixed. I follow him on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, oh Jesus Christ! So like this is let's just kind of go through the storyline a little bit. Like, so the first episode is kind of introducing you to the the just absolute anarchy. Of like tiger keeping. Here's what's really fucked up. You didn't know. The thing I've is, they're been... all guilty of the same. No, thing. no, no, no. I've been to Carol Baskin's. Uh, uh, You've been to it twice. Wow. Okay. Yes. I lived in Tampa for forever. Cool. I mean, is it worth shooting her in the face for? Mm, I don't think he actually did that. Well, nobody actually did that. No, I mean, I mean, I don't think he actually legitimately plotted her murder. He did give the three thousand dollars to the the guy. So that's how he got convicted, right? But it was under the direct instruction of Jeff Lowe to pay Alan three thousand dollars, and that was not admitted into court. It's on tape in the show. 
and, and 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 but we can't agree. Yes, which makes Jeff Lowe the ultimate bad guy in this situation. I also situation. have another. I did this on my uh, last El Best Art of Magnificent uh-huh. show. Not a super show like this one because goddamn, we're making a show. <laughs> um, Jeff Lowe, did you ever notice he always wears like dual layer long sleeve clothing, even okay. in the summertime? Yeah. Want to know what my guess is? Why? Why? He's an Aryan Brotherhood. How many times has it he falls been in, in line with his mo? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. Aryan Brotherhood. That's why he can't show his prison tats. Right. Um, and there he's was that a notorious one fuzzy video of him without his hat even on. Uh, he's bald as fuck. Let's just well, yeah. There. Like, yeah, he bald fucking right. piece of shit. But yeah, but he's a total con artist. I mean, he did steal the zoo. Yes, he did. Technically. But Joe kind of got his money back. But, so Jeff Lowe gave Gus, the hitman, 3000 uh, No, told, no Alan. Alan. told Joe to give him $3,000. Right? Right. And then... So remember when um, the Tiger King he was making Thanksgiving dinner for everyone? Yes. That was to raise the three thousand dollars. No, it was during when he left, right? To do it, that was his alibi. Yeah, was, it was the but that's just it? Is that his husband yeah. had just killed himself? Right. And this was the Thanksgiving memorial dinner. He was sure. holding in his ex-husband's name. To also raise $3,000 to hire a hitman. They had already paid Alan the $3,000. Alan was already on his way to Florida. He has documentation to prove so. The problem is that even when they were discussing the murder of Carol Baskins, Joe Exotic was nowhere near them pulling up the Google Maps. And it was him and the guy with the... Uh, Jeff Lowe and the guy with the lemur. And the reason yeah, why you know this asshole. is because the guy with the lemur said the only reason he turned state's evidence was so he could keep his lemur. Mm. And then it came out that he he said, yeah, uh, Joe Exotic is in jail. Like, now, here's the problem. Mm. He did kill those five tigers. He deserves jail time. Like, right. well, hell, if oh, I no, knew it was this easy. There's abuse going on everywhere. Dang, Doc Antle is probably the worst of them when it comes um, to animal probably abuse. Probably the, the, uh, you're not... You're like, I totally think bit. he's got a crematorium out there. Although I did see he's something fucking territory. pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I saw the casting for the, uh, like, the projected casting for the uh, Tiger King movie. Mm-hmm. Who plays Joe Exotic? <laughs> casting in in a film? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Um, I've been seeing those pictures of Rob Lowe. I think <laughs> Danny McBride. Danny McBride. <laughs> Does he already do a version of that, though, somewhere? Right. Um, He's bounded down. I just saw him in Don Verdeen. That was a very good movie. I love Danny McBride. Yeah, he's hysterical. In it. That's the he's, guy I would pick to play me. He's got that southern pastor thing that um, I'm very familiar with down, down pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think I would pick Danny McBride to play me in the me movie. <laughs> like, just like the right kind of... I haven't of. always liked him. I haven't always liked him. So, um... Then the boyfriends or the husbands, mm-hmm. Channing Tatum and Adam Driver. I mean, yes, go f- yes, stunt cast the fuck away with that one. Sure, he drove his own husband to shoot himself. No, the, the whole he thing. He drove his own husband to he, shoot himself. The reason why he turned those straight guys gay 
was Holy because he was fuck. fucking feeding them with meth. Just so much meth. And all the meth. He ain't that straight. I've... Right? Like he's just giving them money and meth. That's a that's a Ron White joke, by the way. Oh, he stole God, that yes. joke. He lived that joke. Right? Like he did like you don't become that joke. <laughs> Sam, I have to say, this mm-hmm. is probably one of the better shows I think I've ever put on. <laughs> okay. I am absolutely enthralled by our conversation. We're gonna we're making a show. I don't care how it does the ratings. I've I've had a lot of fun doing this. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the premiere of Robo Sam. Robo Sam. I'm El Bastardo Magnifico. <laughs> the Mad Matt. I'm at the Hatter at your party. Deuces. Peace.